0: In episode 139 of Circles Off, we're joined by Mr. Limited to break down top-down versus origination, how he got into sports betting, how to avoid limits, and a whole lot more. This week's episode of Circles Off starts now. Come
1: on, let's go!
2: Welcome to Circles Off, episode number 139, right here on the Hammer Betting Network, powered by Pinnacle Sportsbook. I am Rob Pizzola, joined by Johnny from Betstamp. How goes?
0: Very good. I'm very excited for the uh, the guest today. I think it should be a good one. How's everything with you, Rob?
2: Good. We have our Super Bowl matchup set. I'm excited. Can't wait. The next couple weeks are going to be amazing. We've got the Super Bowl coming up. Going to Jamaica afterwards. Getting off the grid for relaxation. So I'm kind of stoked about it. Uh, but yeah, it's you know it's just busy. It's and and finally, like once football season is over, I can't. I'm not going to say I can kick back and relax, but like a little bit of that stress is alleviated. You know what I'm getting at? Early pick
0: for the Super Bowl. Who do you have winning it? <laughs> you gotta make <laughs> a call. He's gotta make a call.
2: <laughs> I'll, uh, it's tough, man. It's He's tough. gotta make a call. It's tough. No one has any idea why we're laughing right now. They're not gonna have an, a, a, a single clue as to what's going on. Two here.
0: Two weeks out, the matchup is set. Who do you have?
2: you know what I'm just gonna this is not my numbers or nothing like that my gut tells me 49ers take it down 49ers? my gut tells me 49ers take it down
0: alright but me I, the-
2: I may be betting betting
0: other than uh, opposed to my am uh, I'm, I'm gonna take the Chiefs okay I'm gonna take the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl reminder to everybody we do have our Super Bowl props show coming up next week uh, I guess we'll call it the third annual yes so- fourth annual?
2: that's a good question
0: if it's the fourth annual, I'll be fired up. I think it might actually be because we started off on a prop show, then then I gave out the Matt Stafford. Well, the first one anytime, it, it, no, which was robbed. No, then last year. Yeah, because me and you are both three and zero. Oh, I think. No. No, I'm I'm I gave out. Okay, I I, I, ruined, were, I damaged were, my record by giving year. out a.
2: You were at ice last year. You were in London when you called in for your pick. Yeah. You yeah, get, yeah. Yeah. I know. You
0: won it. I did win it. It was a big fave. Who cares? You no, won it wasn't. Yeah, it was, it was like, Miles Sanders. Did un- you guys do one before me? Yeah, bro. The first episode we ever did was a Pro- Super Bowl props. Oh, special. okay. So then this would be four, then technically, because this yeah. is the third one I've uh, been here for. Fourth annual Super Bowl prop special. I'm still
2: not convinced it's the fourth, but it's it's either the third or okay. the fourth. If
0: you count the first one as the one we did, the Brady versus Mahomes Super Bowl.
2: Oh, then yes. it's the fourth. You, yes, that was audio only.
0: We gave out prop picks. We gave yeah. five out prop each. Pre me, before me.
2: That was pre you. Yeah. That was pre you. Yeah.
0: Jason Cooper. That was actually with producer Jason. Jason Cooper Takes was Takes by our
2: J. Pick, uh, Jason Sins, as we call him uh, now, in, <laughs> now in the industry, due to his proclivity to watching uh, adult films. That will be on Wednesday, January 7th, on the Forward Progress YouTube channel from... I can't believe I agreed to this. From 12 to 5 p.m. Eastern time. It's a five-hour that Super year. Bowl props show. We've had a winning record every year.
0: Th- once one year, <laughs> thanks to Luke lay with Luke giving out to Jesse Bates, Jesse. we got actually bring him back.
2: We will, you know what? We might bring him back.
0: We'll bring him back so. for one. I think uh, you know, I have an uh, an absolute banger set already. I'm just looking at the numbers. Like this is a for sure a surefire winner. Hopefully the number sticks around, but even if it moves a bit, I'm still giving this out, so no worries. All right. We good were, to any number. Good, almost. No, not, not good to any number, but pretty much. <laughs> good,
2: to, good to any number. I love I love that one. Uh, secondary to this as well, if you do want us to answer some questions on forward progress over the course of the next week, we're taking a lot of listener comments during live shows, but you can also head over to the hammer.bet forward slash the nails. There's a forward progress thread right there. Drop your questions in there. We'll bring them up on shows. We'll answer them as well. And of course, you can enter there to win some pinnacle swag and some bet stamp swag. More prizes to come there as well. It's the hammer.bet forward slash the nails. Episode number 139. I know uh, Steven Jackson, former running back- jax Used to wear 39. I also know that Minka Fitzpatrick wears 39. Outside of that, I'm having a real problem.
0: So I, I know, 2 they're both related by the dusty helmets they wore. <laughs> First off, Dominic Hasek wore the player helmet and net. Yeah. And then the other one, Dan Cloutier.
2: Oh, Dan Cloutier. On the
0: Canucks. Most
2: notab- notably uh, noted for letting in the goal from center ice. And
0: that dusty helmet. Yeah, the he dust,
2: I, I, dust. Like, who else wore the dusty helmets
0: Hashik, Osgood, Tim Thomas. No, Thomas wore the. Vi- the Thomas variation. had a brutal one. It was it was brutal, but it wasn't quite the player. Do helmet Do you
2: remember Arthur's Urbe?
0: Yeah, Arthur Zerbe, of he, course. Yeah. yeah, he
2: wore a duster helmet too. He, no,
0: he was the goalie that t- took uh, Carolina to the finals in 02 When last time the Leafs were in the conference finals, that wasn't Cam Ward. No, Cam Ward was in 2006, Yeah. rookie season, won the right. cup.
2: I'm bad with years. I'm bad with years. Dom
0: Hasek was the dominator, sprawling all over the floor. First goalie to, you know, just like be known for stacking the pads and just going nuts. Speaking of dominating, they're dominating in Ontario right now and across Canada. Pinnacle Sportsbook
2: an absolutely fantastic sportsbook for bettors out there. We promote them every single week, not because they pay us to do so, but because we actually believe in Pinnacle Sportsbook. I've been betting there for a long time and would highly encourage people to bet there. In today's episode, we're gonna be joined by a guest that's gonna talk about, talk about being limited at a bunch of different sports books that he bets at. One of those is not Pinnacle because Pinnacle doesn't limit players. They treat everyone fairly. Make sure you check them out. 25 years in business. Bet Smart, Bet Pinnacle, your trusted sportsbook. And of course, if you want to support us here on Circles Off, we're right in around the 5K subs right now. One thing you can do use code HAMMER, sign up at Pinnacle Sportsbook. You must be 19 plus not available in the US. And of course, please please play responsibly. The second thing you can do is absolutely obliterate that like button down below and make sure you subscribe here on Circles Off. It goes a long way to helping us grow the channel. Our guest on this week's episode is on Twitter, at Mr. Limited, L-I-I-M-I-T-E-D. Mr.
0: Limited. Limited,
2: Limited somewhere. Sharing how not to get limited elsewhere is his Twitter bio. We'll talk to him a little bit about that today. Mr. Limited now joins us here on Circles Off. How are things?
1: Good, man. Thanks. Thank you guys for having me. Um, Excited to get into it, talk about a bunch of stuff. Um, Hopefully keep those accounts open a little bit longer.
0: So off the rip, we got to go into the name here. Are you Mr. Limited? Because Russ Wilson is Mr. Unlimited.
1: Yeah, I, uh, you know, I'd been thinking about sort of how to start writing about my experience, you know, trying not to get limited at sportsbooks. And as I finally started gaining, uh, you know, a few followers, a little traction um, on uh, Twitter, that was right, like at the start of this year when Russ had played a couple good games and that Mr. Unlimited video, surfaced again so uh just decided to throw mr limited in the bio and uh, apparently people like that so uh, wanna, I do think it's, very clever.
2: It it's great it's one of johnny's favorite clips of all time i remember i don't remember it's... where we were going johnny but like we were in a car driving somewhere and you're like you never seen this mr unlimited clip and we listened
0: to it like yeah you you hadn't seen it. it was like a year later you went nuts that was that's such a funny clip man
1: well yeah that one it. in the the ad for the Danger Witch is is one A and one B in my mind for for Russ. <laughs>
0: Which one, say? You don't remember the the, let's song, ride? the so Danger, way, Witch?
1: Danger Witch? Dude, that one was. Oh well, yeah, yeah.
0: No, I I I, I do yeah, remember good. what you guys are talking about. I thought you were saying yeah. like like another one, Russ. If you obviously it's the Broncos Nation. Yeah, let's
1: yeah. ride. Let's,
0: let's ride. ride. Let's, let's ride. Let's ride. All right, so um, we we've chatted before. I know you haven't talked about it much on uh, on your Twitter, but um you have like a different, you're, you're not, you're not doing this full time, wanting to give you the opportunity to, like tell your story, like your personal story, background, whatever, and then kind of transition into betting.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, I think my background's pretty familiar. You know, I was always like the kid in high school that would organize the March madness bracket and stuff like that, collect the money. Um, and you know, obviously I won a couple of those, you know, maybe 20, 30 person pools. I won like two of them and, so that was when I was like, okay, you know, maybe I actually know how to pick sports and stuff. And I think that's pretty similar to all of us. I think all of us probably started winning something at some point point. and if we had probably lost that, we, we might not be here. Um, and kind of as we, as I got to the end of high school, early college, uh, I think I discovered um, Ken Palm's college basketball ratings kind of, this is like 2008, 2009, probably before it got mainstream. And that was an interesting moment for me because I realized, wait, like, the way that the mainstream media tries to tell you who's good at college basketball is like really not correct. And there's the student with his computer in a basement who actually like might be better at this than, you know, the coaches poll, which was, um, now we sort of take this for granted, but back in the day, that was not necessarily a, a known thing that, you know, the coach's poll is very wrong. And this guy's ratings are actually like very right. Um, and so that was like a, the first moment that I realized, okay, maybe there's just, you know, kind of a way to be better at picking sports by using, you know, a little bit more data. Um, so then I turned 21, went to Vegas for the first time, tried to, um, was really excited to bet on, you know, like place my first sports bet, cause I never actually had bet on sports. I was just using this for contests and bracket contests and this stuff. So I tried to use Mr. Ken Palm's rating to beat you know, the Vegas sports books with some very mixed results and realized, okay, maybe it's not actually that easy to just take an off the shelf, uh, power rating and be, uh, maybe the sports books have also thought about this, um, not using the coaches poll or the seeds of the tournament to actually line the games. Um, and so, you know, after that, uh, you know, I realized I kind of had to think about this differently, um, and that's sort of when I realized, you know, discovered my first odd screen. I think I was using the like the Sports Insights free odd screen back in the day. If people remember what
2: that was, shout out to um, Dan Fabrizio, co-owner of Unabated now. But yeah, that was the that was like the cheaper. It was a, a yeah. little bit of a delayed screen, but I mean, it it did yeah. the it did the trick if you didn't need to bet in real time.
1: Oh, yeah, for, t- for the year like 2013, 2014, I think it was totally fine. And really, it was more of an educational thing for me because I hadn't even thought. I mean, I'd spent so much time thinking about how to rate the teams that I hadn't really thought about this whole market that exists for um, sports betting. And so I would like watch the screen and realize, um, you know, these lines for college basketball, college football, that, that's what I was interested in at the time. Um, these actually like move a decent amount from when they open to when they close and um that was sort of my second aha moment realizing well hang on like if they move one of two things has to be true the either the closing number is efficient therefore you can win by getting a number that's not bad or the closing number isn't efficient and you can just beat it like one of those two things has to be true right and and that like before that i had been like maybe sports bet you know maybe this is like a Maybe people are right, right? This is not beatable. This is just gambling. You know, this is throwing your money away. I think when I realized that, it was really like, a hang on, like, like there, this has to be beatable in one of these two ways. Um, and that was sort of when it took off for me. So, you know, that was around like 20, you know, probably eight years ago. Um, had a bunch of really good college football seasons just by sitting at the odd screen. I was, I was basically steam chasing at the time. I didn't know it was called that, but, you know, I noticed like, oh, hey, this book moves early and then I get a number and then it closes at a number better than I got. And, now I'm winning money. Like, this is like, I didn't even know what CLV was or what steam chasing was. I just would explain it to people like, yeah, I bet here when I see that move and then I had the number of changes and like all this stuff. Right. Um, so I actually had like three or four really, really great seasons. Um, just kind of doing that. I think the edges dried up a bit, um, after, um, and you know, really everything I've done to this point has been sort of a derivation of, you know, under- trying to understand the market, trying to understand how to get the best of the number. Um, And then in markets where the close isn't efficient, um, maybe try to sprinkle in a little origination, um, you know, and beat them. And I've basically just been doing that for the last six years. Um, Had a bit of a downswing during COVID. um, But then once sports betting was legalized in my state uh, this year, um, you know, a lot more outs, a lot more options. And obviously that's when I really started thinking about. How to keep those accounts open and be able to do this for as long as possible which i'm you know i'm sure we'll get into a bunch um so yeah that's that's sort of the background you know, i've been doing this for about 10 years part-time probably um and
2: yeah out, out of curiosity um because you seem to you know have found and found that the uh, beating the clothes is, is pretty valuable early on in your betting journey do you actually remember how that came about at, at all was it like a piece of um you know a book that you read anything because like the only reason I mention that is that it's really weird that someone would find that very quickly in their journey. Most bettors actually will never even realize that in their entire life. They just go about betting and betting their opinions for you to catch on to that and being like, well, yeah, you know, I can get a better number here. That's kind of like way ahead of its time. So I'm just curious. I mean, it might've just been, you know, you're a smart guy and you figured it out, but.
0: You think, yeah, you think it was sheer luck? Cause um, I know there's quite a few people who just kind of discover this, like without actually it being told to them, whatever. And oftentimes every story I've heard, it just happened by pure luck where they're like, oh, I wanted a bet. And then I went to go bet it at this price. But then for whatever reason, my buddy bet the same thing. And I saw he had a sports book that had way better. And I'm like, wait, we could both bet the opposites and make some money. And then they, that's how it kind of clicks. So how was it for you?
2: Yeah, I think
1: uh, part luck, part skill probably. So I think maybe the, you know i majored back in school i majored in econ with a finance concentration i kind of like understand markets in a way so i think i was a little bit biased towards looking at it um as a market with moving prices so that probably helped me like intuitively understand it a little quicker but i actually do remember a conversation i had just like around the office where somebody was like we were just talking about betting in general and somebody's like, Oh, don't different sports books have different prices. Like, is it ever profitable to pick off a price where it's like this at one book and that at another one? And I was like, Oh, I never really thought about that. And I think that's sort of how I found the odd screen kind of by accident. I was like, Oh, I wonder if there's a place to look at like where all the prices are. And that's, it kind of snowballed from there. Right? Like I think I was already intuitively able to think about it that way, but kind of finding that first odd screen and then staring at it and then being like, Oh, this might be how it works was a little, you know, happenstance probably.
2: Yeah. Everyone's journey is pretty hilarious. I I remember back, I I mean, you're talking about this being like eight years ago around that time. And this is just a personal story. I had a good friend that used to bet against all of the line moves because he believed that the sports books had some superior knowledge. And when they sent out the openers, that that's what the number of the game should be. So he would find the biggest differences from the opener to whatever the current line was, and, and you know, he's—I don't think he's figured it out still in life at this point. But you know, <laughs> yeah. lucky for you, you were able to figure that out pretty quickly. But uh, I'm curious, like, you've been doing this now for for a while in the sports betting game. You say that you're you're employed, and you know, you treat this as a secondary yeah. um, hobby, I guess, so to speak. But what's the grand plan for you? Like, would you like this to replace? Would you like sports betting to replace your? um, occupation at some point, or are you just content with this being kind of like a side venture for you?
1: Yeah. I mean, very, very content for now. I mean, you know, I'm not going to get into my, my full-time thing too much, but that's, that's a great, um, career and and a great thing that I have going. So there's, there's no immediate plans. Um, but what I do like thinking about at the moment is like what it would take to get to that next step of the journey. I sort of, now that i've been doing this for a few years i I sort of have this wisdom to look back and kind of think about it in almost like three phases and this is like what i would tell any aspiring sports better to think like like phase one is just learn how to win like any just figure out any way to win like at all like steam whatever originating small market steam chase whatever you want to do um figure out how to win phase two and I, i would sort of put myself in maybe like the late phase two category okay now you're winning now you sort of have to figure out um how to maximize your EV, really retain your bankroll, keep your accounts open, like kind of all this stuff that comes with. Like the winning is sort of the fact that you know how to win is sort of a given at that point, and now it's about maximizing your time. Right? I only have two hours a day to do this. How do I, you know, maximize that? Phase three, which I'm I'm not at, I would say, is more um, how do how do you scale this as a business? Like, okay, now you like really need outs. You really need to not have, you know, a single book shutting you down actually affect, um, your, you know, your year, year over year profitability, you probably need partnerships, you probably need sort of other stuff. And so, um, I'm certainly thinking about that stuff right now, not, not as much actively, you know, taking all the steps required to get there. Um, but I, I enjoy thinking about it and, you know, possibly down the road is definitely something that, that I'll take more seriously.
0: When did your first, uh, limiting come? how oh, man after, um how far after like you started
1: probably uh i got shut down by bavada probably like 2014 2015 or something i hit um bunch of super bowl props and then I had a great great march Madness. fortunately got most of the money out but all of a sudden you know the account was uh flagged or something you know some some reason for being Suspicious. I got another um, different, like offshore, a couple years later. I suddenly couldn't get, you know, my money out. I'm actually not sure if that was as much limiting as there's the, your standard offshore can't get your money out shenanigans. Um, but it was suspiciously after I had started, you know, winning a bunch of money on them too. Um, so yeah, you know, I've been dealing with this for you know since 2015 probably, and um, I think that kind of prepared me for when the legals launched this year in my state, like I was kind of ready, right? I was kind of like, okay, like I know this can happen. So now I got to make sure to really make a plan. I think the very first thread I posted on Twitter was basically the best thing you can do. And I'm sorry if this is an actionable advice at the moment because you would have had to already do this, but you know, make a plan, right? Sports betting launched in your state, like day one, you know, make a plan on what to do, which accounts you want to keep open, which ones you're fine to just blow through, you know, just like really think about it and try to, um try to start from there.
2: All right. Um, I want to get into the, I definitely want to have a larger conversation around the limiting component of, of things. Yeah. We had, um, we had Ship the Justice on who was a former points bet trader earlier and he kind of shared some of the secrets specifically of how that book would limit players before we do just out of curiosity you talked about the edges diminishing over time with what you were doing originally so where does the edge exist now have you just expanded into like other markets um is it just because there's more bet options available what's going on for you now
1: yeah absolutely that's a great question um i think the the more betting options available really helps i guess maybe i'll break it down into sort of three my profit comes from probably three distinct things if i had to chunk it up so one is still sort of the um you know top down i think we always debate whether to call it top down or steam chasing but we kind of all know what we're talking about right we it understand It depends on that whether or
2: not you're a top down better right exactly yourself typically speaking <laughs> yeah well it's part
1: of my strategy and honestly you can call whatever derogatory name you want it makes me money so i really don't care you know it's fine right. um yeah but it's not you, you even derogatory
0: you know, I mean, at, at this point like
1: Exactly. It's just, it is what it is, right? So, you know, find markets where there's a clear market leader, there's a clear market lagger, you know, find Th- that that still exists, right? They're few, you know, they're fewer than there were probably 10 years ago, but that still exists. Um, the other two, so I'd say that's probably like, uh, maybe like a third of my activity. Um, the one that's been growing the most, I think, is not like, it's still a top-down strategy, but it's a little bit more Find books that are actually sharp in individual markets um, that you know might not be obviously sharp. So there's sort of all the standard sharp books we talk about, but there are other books that are not on the first page of your screen or you know known about as well. Or or there are some big rec books that I've have I have noticed happen to be sharp in one to two things. Maybe they have a big customer there who tends to trade that market and they let them do it just to get the information. You know, I'm not in the room, so I don't know, but what I do know is, is tracking this for a couple of years. Um, there's a couple of markets that I think I can beat, um, just by sort of following a, a leader that might not be very obvious. Um, and that's become a bigger part of my strategy. That's best probably 30 to 40%. Um, at this point is uh, a couple of different markets that, look like that. So still a little bit top down. Um, and then the smallest part, probably 15 to 20% of what I do is originating. Um, that is very variable. I think that really sort of depends on the time. I find that originating is, um, a lot easier towards the start of the season or kind of when things are a little bit more uncertain um, There, there are bigger edges there. Uh, but you know, that's the sort of thing that, um, it's not a, uh, because I am still part-time, it's not a major priority for me to um, really go deep and specialize. I think if I were to to be full-time, that would be the thing that I would probably focus on getting up to more like 40 to 50% of my activity.
2: On, on the second one that you pointed out there about finding yeah. um, books that may not be known as a sharp book that might be sharp in a specific market. <laughs> I'm not asking you to give away, like you, you've put in the work, that's yours. Yep. That's but. A lot of people ask this to us. It comes up in the Q&A's, right? How did you go about doing that? Like, what was your process? Was it manually just tracking the closers at all these? Um, If you could just walk us through that, if you're comfortable with it.
1: Yeah. So I'll tell you how it starts, uh, which is you find what you think is a stale line at some stupid book. You bet it. And then you lose a ton of money and realize, like, wait a second, (laughs) This might not be a sale line at a rec book. This this might be something else. Um, and obviously the sample size is small. Like you don't know if you're getting really unlucky or running bad or, but you know, after some point um, you kind of notice that and you're like, all right, let me try to track this um, a little bit more. Let me, you know, grab my screen, you know, log a bunch of closing numbers, kind of see where the thing ends up, you know, back test if I would have hit this at a different place, you know, would, would I have gotten CLV? Like does the, does the number tend to move towards the, you know, that thing? Um, there's a lot of different ways to do it. Um, but I would say like, it does always start like that. I think it's really, um, you know, get your screen, right. Look at, click through a bunch of the different markets. Notice when one book tends to be consistently off market in something, probably not major, right. We're not talking NFL sides here, right. We're talking college football first half maybe, or, you know, something like that. Um, and just, just notice just, it's just when a book that isn't, a sharp book is just consistently different. It's interesting. Like you would do well as a better to notice that and try to kind of follow that thread and figure out where that's going.
2: So I'm gonna give a shameless plug to Betstamp right now because just for this exact yep. reason, I, I everything you just said really hits home with me um, because I think that's a lot of the valuable lessons I've learned in life as well. It's just like, yeah, this book constantly has an off-market price. And you like you go and bet, and bet college basketball props at a specific book, which I won't name, yep. got absolutely murdered betting those, thinking that they were the off-market number, when in reality, they were the better number. You learn through bet tracking. I mean, you might just learn by, by doing this over and over and through experience. If you track every single one of your bets and you're able to analyze all of these, it's very easy for you to pick up which books I'm winning at and I'm losing at. Your account balance will tell you that as well, but also specifically what bet types you're losing on at that book. So I think that's very important for everyone out there. Um, I mean, I'm not to each their own. Do what you want to do. It's a little bit of an added step. But I think you learn a lot from bet tracking, generally speaking. And if you're gonna go about this route of betting, I think that's a really way, to, a really good way to go about it.
0: And, and by the way, for those, so obviously Rob plugged BetSamp, which is our, our platform, but for you guys at home who are actually looking to track, people often sometimes track the wrong things. So tracking like your CLV and all that, it's great. But for a lot of markets, The the main things you need to track before even CLV. So CLV is great. You need that as well. But the main things you want to track before anything is all of your bets. You want a few different things. You want by book, by bet type, by sport. Those three things are crucial, crucial. So you need to be able to filter by book, sport, and bet type. Within BetStamp, if you track all your bets, you get those three, which are the key three, plus. Honestly, hundreds of other slicers and filters you can like, you know, best odds, CLV, all that stuff, ROI wins, you can go by just any variant of those. So use BetStand for sure. It's way easier than Excel. The hard part is actually tracking the bets on the app. Obviously it's, it's a lot easier sometimes to like, just type it on or like write it in your phone notepad, but you don't get the benefit. So oftentimes like, if so I can suck it up, put in the work for a bit, make sure it's all in there. And then you're going to make money off of that uh, in the long term. Another plug here, if anyone's interested in like having a way to write your bets in Excel and then upload them to Betstamp, it's something we're working on if we can get enough. um, Basically, if we can get enough interest. So uh, I know it's a little plug, but if you have it right there, send me a note, send the Twitter account, comment on the YouTube. If that's something you'd use, um, we can build that in.
2: Great. Um, You mentioned mr. limited that you're facing uh, many limitations from sports books right now um, let's let's elaborate that on uh, let's elaborate on that a little bit what are the exact challenges you're facing right now how widespread is it how quick is it happening to you at specific books um, what basically like what is the current state of the limiting that's going on
1: yeah um, definitely not gonna not gonna name any any book names here but um, there's probably I don't know, like eight or nine legals than the state right now. Uh, what I will say is, with sort of the plan that I made before this all even launched, um, I am still active and and on un- Mister Unlimited on uh, most of the bigger ones, which is good. About half of the small guys, I'm you know basically cut off on, um, which which is actually sort of all on plan. I mean, I I you know I think the content that I've written is hopefully going to be helpful to people because I have been doing it myself and it's basically allowed me to, um, be, you know, profitable at, at some of these larger books, um, but still, you know, maintain a healthy account relationship. Uh, some of the smaller ones where I am a bit more aggressive. I mean, let's be honest, like some of these smaller ones, we don't know if they're gonna be around in two years. I don't think there's a ton of EV gained by trying to keep your account open on a book that can be Shut down, you know, and by 2025, um, I would just go take the money, you know, and that's what I did on on some of the smaller ones. Just 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 make the money, deal with the limitation, totally fine. Hopefully, another one pops up in a year that you can do the same thing on. Um, but with the with those market leaders, with those bigger ones, with those bigger legals, I would probably recommend being cautious and deploying some pretty heavily um guarded strategies against those books um so for me you know I'm not in in a horrible uh spot right now um, I'm still got a lot of main accounts open um I don't think that'll that'll obviously won't last forever um but you know that at this point still doing pretty well
2: all right, let's get into some of these specifics then. Uh, I just want to inform the audience out there: these are obviously Mr. Limited's personal experiences here. It's not going to be, you know, set in stone that doing something is going to get your, you know, limits up forever or keep you, you know, unlimited. I, I, I laugh every time I'm.
1: Unlimited.
2: Unlimited at this point. Uh, let's start with the first, the first original deposit into a sports book. Uh, you're putting money in. You're often offered a bonus up front or you have some sort of free play that you can use. In your experience, uh, is it worth it to maximize these bonuses in the early going, uh, or is it better off to you know, kind of play dumb in the, in the beginning?
1: Yeah, good question. And I'm just gonna repeat your same caveat, which is I'm not in the trading room I don't, you know, this stuff has worked for me, but this this is largely an unknowable problem, right? We don't, you know, and we're never gonna have perfect information on exactly how, what algorithms are using or how the team operates. So um, obviously everything past this falls under that disclaimer. Um, but yeah, you know, I thought it was great when you guys uh, had the shipper on the show because I'd already sort of thought about some of this stuff before I listened to that interview. Um, and it was some great sort of confirmation. Um, I, I, I'd noticed pretty early on, um, I was very skeptical of some of these early bonuses. In fact, if, if a lot of how I try to approach these things are thinking like the sports book or thinking like the trading team, which I think is very important as you go through this exercise. If I were running a trading team, if I were running a sports book, like what would I do? And I think one of the things I probably would do is set up um, you know, a pretty obvious funnel over the first two weeks to try to judge a customer, right? Because really the only way you're gonna get I mean. You're probably gonna win money as a sports book. You have an incredible advantage over everybody out there. You get plus one ten on every side. It's a pretty good racket to be in if you can get it. Um, the only way you lose money is if you let a bunch of really smart people create a bunch of accounts and continuously, you know, blast away on stuff that you've mispriced. So you know, the moment your account's created, right? The book is going to be skeptical of you, um, and they're going to want to try to figure out as quickly as possible what is actually going on here. Are you just like a normal person, or are you like a beard for a syndicate, or, or are you a sharp guy? Like, what, like, what's happening? Um, and the the promos are sort of an ingenious way to do that. Um, if you um, do nothing other than deposit the minimum required, bet exactly the minimum required, then use the bonus bet on something that's very long odds and relatively plus ev because it's a free roll that will make the book i think pretty skeptical of you very initially i mean the the mathematically correct way to do this in my opinion would be what i just said you bet the absolute minimum amount and then with your bonus bet when your risk goes to zero um you know you probably find something with the longest odds you can tolerate that is still has a reasonable chance of having ev legs in it Um, that's i think mathematically optimal So my advice to you if you don't want to get limited is don't do that um instead what a recreational (laughs) what a recreational player probably does in that situation is um actually yeah i think i think the biggest difference between how a rec and a sharp is going to view a bonus bet is a sharp player is going to be like this is awesome my risk is zero that means my you know, the expected, I can take like my biggest shot ever right now. Cause there's no risk. I mean, there's just the math, right. Um, whereas a rec is going to be like that bonus bets mine. Like I want it, I want to bet it on something where I can kind of cash the money out. Right. So they're probably going to put it on something, even money, maybe even a slight favorite, you know, I have a hundred dollar bonus, bet. I want to get at least like 80 out of this, you know, um, because that's, that's what I want. Um, so, so I would recommend, I mean, everything that I recommend is really, um, let's kind of try it all look a little, more recreational here folks. After all, this is allegedly an entertainment business, right? This is for recreation. Uh, that's the customer they want. So, um, that would be my first thing is with that very first deposit bonus. Just, just think about, think about what a rec would do and do that.
2: Do you put any thought into the original deposit amount?
1: Not really. I mean, I think you do want it to be, so actually, I guess I'll, uh, maybe how I'll answer this is, is one thing I did on one of the, the larger legals, which is if you can do it, if you have the bankroll to do this, um, try to see if you can get into the VIP program or at least evaluated for the VIP program in a book. Um, it's probably like you probably have to do a little bit of networking and find the right person to make contact. But typically, they'll give you like a couple week evaluation period of you know, whether or not your play warrants that. The great thing about that is that evaluation period doubles as your perfect like account grooming length period anyway, um, as to what you'd be betting. So you get a little two for one there um, in the sense that you probably want to be betting daily volume on a bunch of um, random stuff anyway, which will hopefully both get you into VIP and also get you flagged as you know all right, this is just a normal person um, in the system. So for that, I mean, I think it is helpful to like you know at least to deposit a couple thousand and try to basically say hey you know i, I want to move my play to this book and you know do all that stuff i think um that's a that's a good way to start an account
2: all right um in terms of the account grooming that you're talking about um, there's plenty of of things that we've heard over the years of specifically uh whether that's playing more parlays um you know avoiding certain bet types that are considered a little bit more sharp uh the timing of your bets For you, what are some specific strategies that you use to prolong the length of a sports betting account?
1: Yeah, so again, I mean, I think really trying to think like the book and look like a wreck is very important. Um, So... Uh, The the what not to do's are a bit easier, obviously. Don't just sign up for an account and bet um, a bunch of Steam Chase stuff that's gonna get CLV. Don't, you know, bet college basketball overnights or things that literally only professional players are betting, Rex, do not bet these things. Um, So, you know, be very careful on that kind of stuff. well, you know my goal is always basically finding break-even bets um when i'm trying to to do an account so that can be you know, a number that's maybe half a point off but you're betting it relatively close to game time is pretty good for that um a parlay of two solid legs that are you know maybe each a little bit plus ev or break-even on their own is pretty good um, and the most important thing is just do that daily. I mean, what does a recreational player do? Like what they don't do is log on to the app for five seconds, hit a stale line and then log off. That's not what a rep does. Don't do that. Um, but, you know log on to the remember, these apps like they track everything you're doing. I mean, that's a, that's kind of the third dimension of this. Um, so, you know, log on, click through the markets, find something, find something you like, bet it, find another thing you like, bet it log on three hours later before the games start find something else you like that you know it's like there's a there's like there's a whole sort of art form here of you know what would a person who just made their first deposit and is super excited about on sports do do that just make sure the things you're betting aren't actually that minus ev (laughs) Um, you know make sure they're you know at least decent or break even i will say break even is the goal for those
2: uh do, do you ever at all intentionally mix in stuff that is minus ev uh, one example might be a lot of books nowadays will just uh, recommend a parlay in your bet slip as soon as you put a bet in there, or there's preset parlays on the home screen of the, uh, there could be bet boosts that are actually, uh, they're boosted, but still very yep. much minus yes. EV as well. Uh, do you intentionally mix that stuff in at, at all? Do you think that's worthwhile? Um, I, I've heard very differing opinions on this and, and to each their own, everyone's gonna you know have their own experiences, but in your experience, uh, is this something that you do?
1: Yeah, for sure. I will. I will say I usually only do this when I'm when I've just won a lot of money. So if I'm on a huge heater, um, absolutely, uh, totally fine to throw in a couple negative EV things. Just make sure you track them, and you know you're not actually giving too much money back. Um, but I, <laughs> I remember I had a, I was like up, I was up so much one week over the summer, and I was going um, to a Red Sox game and i was with my friends and i was like all right man i need to cool this account off like what we got and somebody was like oh uh you should parlay uh devers to hit a home run but the blue jays to win or something like that like something ridiculous and i did it and of course it happened of course it (laughs) hit (laughs) yeah obviously (laughs) and i'm just sitting there being like like what is happening (laughs) um and so so yeah you know stuff like that where it's like and you got to be careful about this but i mean remember at the end of the day like i i am also trying to have fun i also do like gambling if you are able to sort of mentally say all right i need to cool this account off a bit i'm going to a game part of my enjoyment of this game is going to be betting on something that might be a very you know good time to mix in something negative ev just be very careful about it because obviously if you think that way too often then you're just going to be punting money um anyway so it's be a little old- you know it's a, it's a dangerous game but but you can play it
0: That's the old positive EV, negative EV play.
2: Yes,
1: exactly.
0: Exactly. The the
2: old uh, first five innings one team, but full game the other team. Oh, first five
0: innings one team and the over, full game other team in the (laughs) under.
2: There you go. Oh man, that's how you throw them off the scent right there. That's that's the late with
0: Luke special. Yes, exactly.
2: Yes. Um. How? Okay, you talked about it a little bit with you know some books. Yeah, they're probably not gonna be in business in a year. Take them for what they're worth. How do you balance maximizing your edge versus keeping an account alive? This is also a question we get a lot, right? It's like, I have a massive edge on this one particular mm-hmm. sports book. They constantly misprice X market. Do you like go balls to the wall on that or is it you know slow bleed type of situation? Uh, again, for people out there, this is Mr. Limited's opinion. Yeah. I don't know that there's a right or wrong answer, but go for it.
1: Yeah, and and I, I think I don't know whether there's a right or wrong answer either. I, I think there's a lot more math to do on that. Um, and, and I do wanna prioritize doing that in the future at some point, sort of finding the, okay, here's actually a, a real consistent edge you have and what's the actual optimal amount to, Take advantage of that of course the problem is you don't have perfect information on the other side you have no idea how long it's going to take you to get limited it could be two days could be two months so without that information it's hard to actually calculate what the optimal strategy is you just have to take a guess i personally usually veer on the side of keeping the account open longer my thought process is simply um limiting is pretty much permanent you can't really come back from it but i can always make more money in the future so in general uh if i am biased towards keeping the account open for a bit longer um that totally depends on the book if it's a book that again we don't think is going to be around just take it uh just just hit it as hard as you can um if it's a book that you do uh want a long-term account on i would say probably try to parlay that stuff as much as you can at least which tends to be viewed more favorably um in my opinion um and again, like always take stock of where your account's at. If you have had a bad couple weeks, you're probably okay to hit it a bit more. If you are on a major heater, be careful. Um, it's stupid. We know as better that, that there are ups and downs and whether or not you're actually winning or losing money in a given month is, is not even the best predictor of how well you're doing. But honestly, the books, I mean, at the end of the day, like some flag is gonna trip if you're up, you know, a certain amount of money. Um, that's just how it is. So, you know, you just gotta be, you just gotta always be cognizant of where you're at, um, you know, on each book. Um, and that, that's kind of how I do it.
2: There's various forms of limitation. It's not just apples to apples. Uh, there's the limited to $1 type of situation. There's the limited to maybe 150 bucks type of situation that tends to happen on some accounts. Uh, curious when you do get the ladder, where it's limited to something that okay it's still a bet maybe not your traditional bet size but you can get something down do you actually still bet into the account when you are limited um, or do you just choose at that point to not give the sportsbook the information
1: that's a great question um, and I also have gone back and forth a bit my current strategy for that is, well, well, one overall strategy is I actually try to never bet the exact max. Um, so I never try to hit it for the two of the dollar max that they are limiting me to. Um, just given that in my experience, the earliest books I got limited on were the ones that I was really, you know, stretching, like really actually hitting things for limits. And when I sort of started backing off and hitting it for 20 bucks below the limit, um, suddenly it seemed a little bit, uh, friendlier right um so that's actually one thing that i would i would recommend if you do have a hard and fast limit um just do a little less um and then the second thing is I, i usually just try to back off a lot on that book like i might give them a little bit of action but i've noticed that um just just backing off quite a lot usually doesn't make it any worse um occasionally it it makes some other markets better i mean i actually had one book where i was limited to like 50 on college basketball totals, but, um, didn't give many action for a while backed off. Um, and I was able to get, you know, a couple hundred down on a different market, um, just, just the other week. So, you know, it can, it can, um, it's, it's kind of pretty, you're right. It's not apples to apples. It's unclear how this all works. Right. It's, uh, but I would just say back off, don't hit the limits. Um, you know, just, just cool them off.
2: I go, I go back and forth on this one because part of me wants to stick it to the sports book regardless, but in right. the grand scheme of things, like a hundred dollar bet is not sticking it to anyone. And, nope. and, and candidly, now that I think about it even more, like placing a hundred dollar bet at a book, that's going to move off of that action or you're giving them the info is like directly taking potentially thousands out of someone else's pocket that could have stuck it to them as well. So I've kind of really changed my stance. So you're out, you're out. Um, I, like I used to take pride in referring Correct. a million bets to trader just because I wanted that guy to sweat and work but and then I realized like he's probably just laughing it up over there. He's like yeah, keep referring them to me. I'll keep spotting all these bad lines and moving them and then nobody else is going to get down bigger bets on fresh accounts on them. What's the point? Yep. No it's good. Totally true. for the ecosystem. Totally agree. Not even for not even for me but for the ecosystem. I don't do that anymore. A, uh, this one's a little bit this one's unrelated to the like limiting itself but more of a general overarching uh, philosophical question, I guess, not even philosophical, but I'm just curious your general overall thoughts on sportsbooks being able to offer different limits to different betters, Because this doesn't really exist. There's, I mean, few case examples of this existing in other industries, but for the most part, you go into a store, something's, Price the way it is. Everybody's paying the same price. It's not somebody has to pay a little bit more or whatever. Um, that's more to do with odds than it is limits itself. But what are your general overall thoughts on on the ability for sportsbooks to be able to do that?
1: Yeah, this this might surprise some people given like where I'm at and what sort of content I tend to write. But I actually I'm not I'm not super bent out of shape about it. Like it, I've, I'm kind of an it is what it is person. I, I understand the business um it's annoying and it sucks uh i see why they do it um and honestly you know, like, of course you can get bent out of shape about the entitlement of like, well, you want to run a sports book, but you don't actually want to set the right lines. You just want to kick people out. Like, all right, whatever. Um, like, you know, I get it. I get why people do what they do. It's legal that you're not gonna be able to do anything about it. So I, I just don't spend a ton of time getting bent out of shape about it. I think the, actually the weird part is on the other side to me when they're able to, you know, offer 2 million a whack at, you know, NFL sides for a VIP or celebrity who wants to sign up for the book, you know, that is a little weird because um, like the you know the limiting the sharp betters like this is understood as kind of okay by gaming commission rules or in both states or whatever um, what's not okay what the regulators really also are trying to protect is problem gambling though it's just it's just interesting they're allowed to offer people to bet, Two million dollars who are probably losing a lot of money and nobody really says anything about it like that to me i would be more worried as a sportsbook operator about that side of it than a bunch of uh bunch of sharps on twitter whining that their accounts are getting limited uh, you know whatever it's gonna happen
2: yeah good point i mean it's valid um, we we saw a case in ontario recently within the last few months where a sportsbook operator got fined uh, pretty heavy, heavy amount of dollar. I mean, maybe in the grand scheme yep. of things, not so much. But for allowing um, a VIP to continue betting, even though they exhibited signs of of problem yep. gaming, so it's not that they turn a blind eye completely. But I, I do get the point that, yeah, you know, you show a propensity yeah. to lose, and all of a sudden you can bet as much as you want.
1: I think that's the weird side of it, right? The the, the limiting me side wouldn't be as weird if that didn't exist, right? And I think that's the that's maybe where it's okay to, to get a little bit out of shape.
2: Have you considered making any adjustments or changes to your style of betting to kind of offset this? So, uh, just as an example, potentially, but you talked about your you know your the three things core things yep. for you. The last one was origination, which you said I think was fifteen to twenty percent of your overall action. Um, any thought at like maybe starting to move a little bit more into the origination side of things instead of the the top down in order to to prolong your accounts
1: yeah i i mean i think you have to i think you know that was one of the most recent things that i read about is at the end of the day uh not all money won from the sports book is going to be viewed equally in their eyes right if you win a bunch on steam that you get CLV on you're going to be limited much quicker than if you win on stuff that nobody else is seeing or betting or or figuring it out because at the end of the day they just don't have as good of a model to understand if you're actually profitable that stuff right if i make if i open an account and i make 10 bets and they're all college basketball overnights, and they all move five points in my favor. Um, pretty much at that point, you can determine that I'm probably somebody who should be limited, whether or not even I might go four and six doesn't really matter. Like it's like you need basically a sample size of like ten or fifteen to decide. Okay, I'm probably like not the customer you want. Um, whereas if I make fifteen straight bets on various early season uh, player props that don't really move a ton at close or other stuff like that. And I go, you know, eight and six, I mean, I mean you have no idea if I'm winning or not. Right. And then there's not a huge influx of betting action on these. And maybe even some people are on the other side of them and other stuff like that. Like, I mean, as a trading team, you're totally blind. Like you don't know if that's good or not. Um, So that's just an example to give to basically say at the end of the day, the more you can originate and the more you can have your action be be your action and not chasing somebody else's. um, That's just the sort of, longer term way um, to actually, you know, really win at this long term and keep those accounts healthy. Uh,
2: As a successful sports better yourself, uh, what advice would you give to someone who's trying to do what you're doing? Maybe not necessarily make a living from sports betting, but someone who, you know, has a job and they want this to be like a sustainable secondary uh, form of income for them. And um, I I ask you that because obviously the current landscape is not that conducive to being able to win a ton of money. So as Someone in your situation right now, what's that piece of advice that you would give to someone who's looking to replicate that?
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, again, I think uh, mixing in different types of extra. like at the end of the day, you just gotta spend more time, right? This is all this is, all this is is one grand sort of uh, reason why doing this successfully simply takes more time. You can't just, you know, fire up an out screen for 30 minutes, pick off a bunch of stuff and expect your action to be welcome at that book. for, uh, you know, for infinity, um, it, you either need to put time into originating some of your own stuff. You either need to put more time into calculating, you know, kind of how you can make break even ish bets that keep your accounts open. It's just, it basically, they're just trying to make it more annoying for people like me to, you know, be able to make a side income on this. And the only way to counteract that is just to really manage your time effectively. Um, one quote that I, you know, I've talked to a few people who, say like, all right, yeah, but you know, I don't really have time to, you know, do X, Y, and Z. And one quote that I think is important that I wanted to to make sure to share, which is I I learned this about like two years ago. Somebody told me, I never say I don't have time for something. I always say I'm not prioritizing that right now. And I think that's really important to note, because um, it's not that you don't have time to originate stuff you 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 just it's just not a high priority for you or you know if you're saying that and that, that's okay i mean if somebody has a job and a family and kids and all this stuff it, those things should take priority and at the end of the day maybe they don't actually you know have enough time left to originate but if you're somebody like me um you don't have kids yet uh you have a job but it's you know not you don't have to work all hours of the day for it um saying i don't have time to originate is is really not true what 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 is true is that you know you're not prioritizing the time that it takes to originate you may be prioritizing other things like you know going out with your friends or playing video games or like whatever um but i would just say to somebody in my position you know if you actually do want to do this and want to make consistent income from this um at some point either origination um finding you know different edges that are harder to find uh calculating ev and figuring out how to mix in some cover plays to your accounts. Those, those unfortunately have to be priorities for you. Like you do have to find time to do those things. Or just, um, you, I'll, add one to more, I'll add
2: one more thing in at the end, or, or just really trying to scale, which some people can yeah. do well, right? Like some people yeah. who are top-down betters, their their edge will exist in perpetuity because they just constantly find ways to replenish accounts Correct. and work with people and they network. So there's a lot of different ways. And I, I think that's a really interesting point, right? Like. I started with winning via origination and now I mix in some top-down stuff as well, but I still mostly win via origination. And it's not that's not gonna be the means to an end for every single person, right? Um, and it's not gonna be a priority for every single person. It might be harder for someone to like, yep. there's just gonna be some people who are incapable of finding an edge, like NFL sides and totals, no matter how, how hard they work, or how much time they put in on the originating side. So I, th- I think there's a plenty of different ways to do it, but um, yeah, the scaling thing is always interesting to me as well. Because, like, in, it, I mean, I, let me just pose that to you right now as a question. Because you're suffering the the limitation stuff across yeah. the board. Um, what's stopping you from from reaching out and like networking and like you just want to remain on the down low rather than build a big operation? What what's the reasoning for that?
1: yeah that's it for now i want to do it selectively and not um you know i don't uh using my own advice it's it's not a priority for me at the moment um to kind of rush into a bunch of different partnerships and sort of scaling that network while i still kind of have this uh you know this full-time thing that's taking up a decent amount of time because when i if and when i do do that i want to really do it thoughtfully carefully you know, the right way. And, um, I think that would be something that I would do when I, when I, you know, if, and when I choose to go a bit more full-time. Um, so that, that's really the reason, um, on the sort of PBH side, I have done a little bit of work there. Um, you know, thoughtful work around finding, you know, some solid outs. Uh, and I think that's, that's something that anybody can do part-time. I mean, it doesn't, you know, it's pretty mixed bag over in that world, but, Um, if you, if you find some people you trust, uh, you'll be able to get down. And again, like we're not talking, I mean, if you're doing this part-time, you know, if you have a couple outs, you know, even if some of them are limited to, as you said, 200 bucks, um, the cumulative amount you can get down on a play is going to probably be perfectly fine for you to be able to make a solid side income on this. Um, I know that's brought up sometimes, but like, if you're not a pro those, $500,000 early week limits on college football, like really not a problem if you have a couple of different places to get down on it. So, um, yeah, that, that's kind of what I would say to that.
0: We talked, we talked a lot about limits here. Um, basically just wanted to shout out. There's one book that we know of, at least that doesn't limit. Um, you get the same posted limits, any player in the world, you sign up. If Rob can bet 20,000, that means you can bet 20000 as well. There's absolutely no way you're going to be cut down. Um, and that book is the sponsor of the show, Pinnacle Sports. If you're in Ontario, if you're in Canada, use code HAMMER. supports the show. We appreciate it. We talked a lot about limits and stuff like that. I think one thing we didn't mention is just the importance of having at least a few sports books that you can always play at and always be welcome at.
2: And people are, and just even from a top-down perspective, talked about this a little bit before, people think that like, uh, Pinnacle's the North Star. You know they're using, and we had we talked this about this with Mr. Limited in this interview, right? Oftentimes people just assume that the book that is synonymous with being a sharp sports book is going to be like the North Star for all the top-down stuff. I will say this: there's lots of edges to be had at Pinnacle as well. If you're betting pretty regularly, uh, they're very good at pricing certain sports, a little bit weaker at others. So don't be, don't let that deter you if you're using a top-down approach either, because there are edges to be had. One last thing I have to say before we get into our closing questions here. This is for the audience. I do a terrible job of this every single week in differentiating the legal sports books from offshore, from PPH. When I'm suggesting networking and getting other accounts, I am by no means suggesting that you go multi-account into legal sports books. That is violation of terms and service. You could get in a lot of trouble for that. So listen, you do you. You make your own decisions in life but I want to advocate that I'm not recommending doing that most of the time when I'm talking about uh, getting multiple accounts that's in the PPH world so just want to make that explicitly clear for anyone who's trying to follow advice
0: all right um, w- one last thing about pinnacle by the way I should have mentioned this before but people ask me like oh if you bet pinnacle like, are they going to limit you if you bet the uh, the broncos and they're playing the chiefs and then you bet back on the chiefs after the line moves and you get a middle no they're okay with that you're allowed to if you hit something line moves you want to hit the other side you want to get a better position whatever you want doesn't matter they're not going to limit you for anything like that it's a true uh, sports book
2: right, Uh, a couple questions that we end the show here with Mr. Limited Uh, doesn't have to be related to sports betting can be be if you want to totally up to you Uh, one thing that's plus EV in life and one thing that you think is minus EV in life
1: Yeah. I would say my plus EV thing, this has been helpful recently. Um, always like, make sure you have either close friends or family who do not care about gambling, who you can just talk to and hang out with. I think it's really, if you're doing this even part-time, full-time, whatever, you know how it gets. You can, as much as we all try to say, Oh, I'm, I'm a pro at this. You know, I don't, I don't get bent out of shape when i get a bad beat or anything like that let's let's be honest you know it can it can be a bit of an emotional roller coaster sometimes uh the the healthiest and most helpful thing for me is having you know part of a friend group that just like they know i bet but like they could not care about what has happened or you know anything like that Um, massively plus EV in your life, if you're able to, for some people, this will be like your parents or something, you know, if you have a good relationship and, you know, they probably don't know anything about betting and they're just happy to see you, (laughs) you know, it's just like, whatever it is, just remember that you have a lot of people around you who do not care about that bad beat you had on Sunday. Um, It really does not matter. Uh, It does not make, you know, affect who you are as a person. So, um And it also helps you keep grounded when you're on a hot streak, right? Because it's very dangerous when you're winning a bunch to think that you're really good at this and no bet that you ever make is gonna lose. And guess what? Those people are gonna gonna knock you back down and just re- remind you that you're the same person that you were before, you just won a bunch of money. So, I
2: like I like that
1: piece that of is advice. Plus
2: TV. That used to be my dad until he started watching every episode of Circles yeah. Off. Now all uh, he wants to talk about is talk. unfortunately.
1: Yeah, unfortunately. that's too bad. Yeah, the, w- one
0: of the most truest fans of the show Rob P. Rob Sr., we appreciate your support. I know you're going to comment below because you always do every single week. You're always one of the first you find listeners.
2: some hockey player from like yeah. the 1970s that wore number 39 that he can put down in, into the comments
0: And below. please never stop. We appreciate the support. All right, negative EV move of the week. You have one?
1: Negative EV. You know, this is um, – I didn't really uh, – didn't have much of a, a online presence or following until the second half of last year. So I learned, I relearned this lesson, um, but it is probably the most negative thing you can do is try to change people's minds on the internet. Um, do not do it. <laughs> uh, might not be a worse use of your time in the entire world than do uh, you know, our, our brains, like as humans, our brains are not even wired to like have our minds be able to change. If we change our mind, it has to be our idea, right? So there's no way that you're ever going to, you know, log on Twitter and, you know, tell somebody something that i are like, oh my God, yeah, is totally right. Um, our brains don't work that way. And everything that I try to do now, um, you know, whether it's putting out content, like you know, all this, you know, account health stuff and, i'm trying to put information out there and my goal is for you you as an independent person to kind of make up your own mind about how much of it you want to use whether you think it's smart whether you don't think it's smart you know maybe maybe you find something in there and you actively sort of change your approach but it's got to come from you it ain't going to come from me i ain't going to change anybody's mind um and i would highly recommend uh that nobody uh try to do that because you are going to be very frustrated.
2: i I love these pieces of advice that's a good today I will tell you that this receding hairline and the the balding that's happening up here, this isn't yeah. a product of genetics. This is uh, <laughs> nono Vincenzo, rest in peace, passed away yeah. in his 90s with like great hair on my mother's side. The genetics are there. Mm-hmm. This is a product of arguing with people online. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't, you'll, you will end up with 100%. hair like this if you argue with people.
0: I, I uh, a couple of weeks ago, Mike's fitting that this is your uh, negative EV move of the week. But when we had on the uh, gambling, Frank Costanza, he, he mentioned like, you got to be realistic in your goals. And uh, I had given out my plus EV move of the week, which was you can do anything you want. And the only yeah. way you can't do it is if you say you can't do it. Had a bunch of people comment saying, Man I needed to hear that Thank you so much Like they tell us too much In like schools today That we can't mm-hmm. do it And we're not good at math and We're not good at these things And then I had a bunch of comments Of people like That's the most outrageous take Like not <laughs> everyone can do anything Like I can't do this And you know what the crazy part yeah. about it is We're both right You know why? Yeah Because if you say you can't do it You can't You're not going to do shit Because you said you can't do it You literally are not going to do anything right. Like oh I can't do this No shit buddy you're not. So the advice is not for you. Yeah. Fuck out of here. Doesn't matter. <laughs> advice is not for you. I got a Plus TV move of the week, by the way. Okay, go for this it. This one is a ran- yeah. random ass one that I that I thought of last week. All right, Plus TV move of the week. Park your car right in the middle of the spot, straight. All right. Enough with these like people parking a little bit crooked and then or like a little bit off, and they're trying to one one like one move it in. If you got to do a little bit of a a two way, tight parking spot, all good. You park it right in the center. Now your door is not getting scratched. You're not scratching another guy's door. Everybody else having a better time parking. The lines are there for a reason, park in the middle.
2: Nothing worse than when uh, someone parks towards one side a little bit too much in an open parking lot. Then you got to take the spot next to them And you got to park a little bit too much to your side, then that car leaves, leaves, and you look like an absolute jackass. (laughs) Yep, yep, yep.
0: Well, the the reason it's a plus EV move though is because you're putting your own car at risk as well. And then when you're when you're the guy whose car is a little bit over, people almost want to open it into your thing on purpose. Cross my mind. (laughs) There there you go. Cross my mind. There you go, Mister Limited. You, if you can go back, final question of the show. If you can go back five years, just a a short five years flies by. Mm. It's going to be gone. You're going to be in five years. We're going to be listening back to this in five years. Talk to a previous version of yourself. What advice can you give your former self?
1: I mean, I kind of wish I'd started doing a little bit of writing and thinking and talking more openly about just betting and journey and what I was thinking about at the time. Cause I honestly, like over the last six months, I feel like I've just gotten a lot smarter, I, Maybe I'm, you know, I'm somebody who writes to think in a way. So I think that's probably part of it. Um, but I would recommend, you know, especially today when it's so easy to, you know, publish stuff on, on Twitter, or just kind of write and think about stuff. Um, there's no downside to just writing your thoughts down, whether or not you even post them or not um, just makes you smarter. Uh, I wish I'd done a little bit more of that. I think it was like a little bit more kind of in my own head. I, I, you know, I think this, this industry, you know, sports betting tends to attract cagey personalities that, you know, are not going to share anything. We all got our edges over here and we're, you know, trying to hoard them. Um, And one thing that I'm really thankful about the last five years, it does seem like there's obviously been an explosion of content, you know, things have really kicked up in that way. And it, it just, it does seem like everybody's a little bit more, more open, more willing to listen more willing to share stuff. Um, but I would have, I would have told my younger self, Hey, you know, just start now. Um, and in all areas of life, not just embedding, just in everything, you know, start writing your thoughts down, come back to them, you know, it just makes you smarter. So wish I'd done more of that.
0: Very good advice. I I agree. Sorry. So some, I was gonna say some, uh, some knowledge bombs dropped here today on, uh, the, during the bulk of the episode and at the end really appreciate how I don't like to
2: compare, compare guests answers. But the, the the combo of plus EV minus EV, go back five years response here. It's it's up there as one of the best. Some At least in my opinion. It's my uh, personal opinion.
1: I appreciate that. I, I I did go the more serious route. I know some yeah, people okay. go the less serious
2: route. So yeah, it will never be as, like when when G Stack was in studio with me and I he, like he almost got me crying. He like the most emotional plus EV. Oh uh, yeah. Had. I didn't even know how to I respond.
1: And then I said something really stupid.
2: Yeah, you it. followed it up with the most ridiculous <laughs> one. I'm like, After that, I don't want to be the guy that follows That's that. That's all that. Was the worst. Yeah. Oh, that was tough. That was a yeah. tough one.
0: Guys, everyone yeah. listening, I hope you learned something today. Uh, if you did and if you want to support the show, if you're not already subscribed, please do that. Please like the episode. Please leave a comment down below. Let it comment anything you want. Just even comment a period. It helps. The, it helps the show. Um, We love you guys And thanks for the support And by the way If you want to get better One thing you can do Which is super vital We we mentioned on the show Start tracking your bets Go download BetSam, Sign up for an account Just start even tracking For like a week A month See your results It's going to make it It's not Doesn't seem worth it In the day Like the day of Yeah Sure you're not getting Anything out of Once that history is built up really is all the difference uh, in the world. And it's going to take you from X ROI to, you know, X plus Y ROI. Yeah.
2: If you want to follow our guest, Mr. Limited, you can do so on Twitter, Mr. Limited with two I's at the beginning, L-I-I-M-I-T-E-D. Appreciate you. Appreciate everyone out there. This has been Circles Off episode 139. Thank you everyone for tuning in. We'll be back again next week.